The Gist is sponsored by Vegas.com. Vegas.com, your summer vacation is just a click away. Find great deals on hotels, shows, tours, and VIP treatment at top clubs. Go to Vegas.com right now and enter the promo code GIST for 10% off everything but air hotel packages. That's Vegas.com and the promo code GIST. It's Thursday, June 25th, 2015. From Slate, it's the GIST. I'm Mike Pesca. Yes! King V. Burwell. I am so psyched about King V. Burwell. Oh man, did I dread the Supreme Court reversing Obamacare if they had just blown up all the federal subsidies. Why? Is it because I love me some Obamacare? It is not. As Obama once said about a different subject, it's likable enough. Almost 10 million people getting health care. That's good. The co-ops seem to be a disaster. The state exchange is not going so well. Fine. But here's what I think. It's the law. It's the law. It took years to pass this law. It was challenged once. It stayed the law. It was challenged again in this suit, in this King v. Burwell suit. And only the most dyed-in-the-wool, anti-Obama legal thinkers thought this suit had any merit. But you never know. You never know with the Supreme Court. This huge law that we spent so many years passing, they're going to undo not all of it, but much of it because of a couple words were wrong. It was just depressing. It would have been it would have been the biggest bummer in our democracy, I think. I'm not saying the worst thing that ever happened. It just would have been this huge bummer if the Supreme Court had come out and said, yeah, you got those words wrong. Sorry you wasted all those years. Look, let me make an analogy. If the Supreme Court had ruled opposite, if it was 5-4-6-3 the other way, right? Here's what it would have been like. You get up on Christmas morning. You unwrap your presents. Maybe they're not the best presents, right? You want an Atari, you get a 2XL. You wanted some G.I. Joes, you got some Thundercats. Whatever. But you unwrap them. Maybe you just start playing with them. Your mom says, kids, we're going to grandma's. You can play with the toys later. Fine. You put the toys down, go to grandma's. On the way back from grandma's, an announcement comes on the radio. There has been a recall. A Thundercat paw choked some kid in Wisconsin. 2XL went nuts. Use the F word. You can't play with your toys. Thank God that didn't happen. Thank God King V. Burwell was decided the way it was. But here's the real reason I'm so excited. You want to know the real reason I'm so excited? It's because I was right. By the way, that's usually why I'm so excited about most things. But I was right. There were so many stories in the newspapers about how states or the federal government was going to deal with an Obamacare overturn, was going to deal with the opposite ruling from what we got. What would the states have done? How would the voters react? How would they restructure everything? And all these stories had their actual headlines. But to me, the headline was always... Please consider a number of weak possibilities about an eventuality that might not happen. Here now, 1,200 words. I didn't read those stories because I calculated that the ruling would come down the way it came down. And it came down that way. I was right, just like I was right with the fiscal cliff. Just, just like I was right with Lost. Lost sucked. Didn't end in any logical way. I didn't pay attention. Same with these stories. Obamacare stays. The Giants win the pennant. On the show today, I spiel about the kids today, the millennials. This is what happens when you invite a guy back to your old high school, a guy with some interviewing skills and a working microphone. But now, Maria Konnikova comes by to play Is This Bullshit? Or rather, Is This Baloney? Because we're talking about testing the five-second rule. In bull riding, the period you're going for is eight seconds. Dropping a bomb, it was 
30 seconds over Tokyo. But with food, we're told there is a five-second rule. Scoop that up within five seconds and scarf it down. We won't think you're overly disgusting. All right, we will, but the people who adhere to the five-second rule won't. So we're here to rigorously test that. I am joined by Maria Konnikova. She writes for The New Yorker. She is the author of the forthcoming book, The Confidence Game. And she is here to play Is That Bullshit? with the five-second rule. Hello, Maria. Hi, Mike. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't, uh, I never really heard of this until I was maybe a young adult, and I just always thought it was, I did not really think that people really believed it. I just thought it was a funny myth that children told each other. People really think that this is true? You have no idea how many times I've heard, well, if I pick it up fast enough, the bacteria <laughs> don't have time to transfer between where it's fallen, and the food. Okay, so that's what it's based on, some notion of bacteria speediness. In my mind, (laughs) at least in my mind, that's what it's based on. What is the land rate of bacteria? What is the rate of speed? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. I think in their their head, people see like these bacteria crawling onto the food that you've dropped, and it takes them a while to crawl, right? Do they think bacteria (laughs) are maggots? They they don't think bacteria is everywhere in everything? I'm not sure sure what they think, but that's always how I visualize it. If you drop food and the floor is dirty, won't it just immediately pick up that amount of dirt? Mike, They're waiting for dirt from somewhere else to go to the food? Mike, don't steal my punchline oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So let's see. So the claim is if you drop a piece of food on the floor. How quickly you pick it up matters. Okay. And By this logic, couldn't you just quickly lick the floor and it would be fine? Probably. A quick dab a tongue on the floor? Well, you know I what? do it, but that's just to clean the floor. So have you ever been to Back Bay Station in Boston? Yes. So you know how dirty it is. Yeah. When she was two years old, my niece, in front of all of us, fell down onto the floor on purpose, went down on all fours, and licked the floor of Back Bay Station. Uh-huh. She is still alive and well. Yeah. So I think we can lick just about anything. she probably has a anything. Boston accent. She probably does. That's where she people pick it up. up. Exactly. That's floor of Back Bay she Station. She got up and her first words were, no ma! <laughs> Hit the ball, no ma! <laughs> so I was... When I started researching this, I was really surprised and kind of elated to find (laughs) that there was a study that tested the five-second rule. All right. And they said, we're testing the five-second rule, and this was the title of the paper. Um, This was a guy named Paul Dawson over at Clemson. And he and his team dropped food, (coughs) bologna. Onto floors. That's good. It's a good sticky yeah. food. Bologna, bologna's yeah. a good one, right? Like I feel like a lot a of people. If you bagel with the uh, non-butter or cream cheese side down, it doesn't seem like it would be a good conduit for germs. No, I feel like bologna's a good one. We drop bologna all the time. I'm right? always dropping yeah. the bologna. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a euphemism. Yeah, it's that yeah. bologna. Um, so, so basically, they used different surfaces. They had tile. They had wood. Uh-huh. And this they is had, a rigorous study. They did, and they had did carpet. Did they have beef bologna, turkey bologna? No, it was only one type of okay. bologna, I'm sorry to say. Does their bologna have a first name? <laughs> Mr. Mike Bologna. Uh-huh. Maybe it was Maria, I'm not sure. <laughs> so they dropped it on one of these surfaces, and they tested what would happen with bacteria transfer. Right. First, they obviously looked at what bacteria was on the floor, and they right. made sure that bacteria was on the floor. Yeah. And they found that 30 days later, the E. coli was still there. Oh, so good. E. coli I'm... survives that long, you'd be you'd be happy to know. We should do and a then... sell-by date on E. coli. Is that bullshit? Yeah. And then they dropped the bologna, and they picked it up after various periods of time. And they also tested, after each period, how much bacteria had been transferred. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they found that... After five seconds, the five-second rule, 
99% of the bacteria that had been on the tile floor had been transferred to the bologna. Well, that's what the five-second rule says. Don't eat it after five seconds. You're well, just saying that part of the five-second, that it's bad after five seconds no, is no, true. No, no, well, at four seconds, that was also true. Oh, okay. <laughs> so should it be the three-and-a-half-second rule? No, actually, it ended up that it was true basically immediately. The immediate. Second. And then the rate of bacteria uptake went down. So as soon as you dropped it, bacteria onto it, and then there is just a downward curve because obviously it has most of the bacteria, and so there's no real difference between one second and five seconds. Right. But that was only true of the tile floor. So when they dropped it on wood, it was actually a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And when they dropped it on carpet, very little bacteria got really? in. Really? So it ends up that it's not the amount of time, but it's actually the surface. How conducive is that uh. surface? to passing bacteria onto your so food. So it shouldn't be the five-second rule. It should be the broad loom rule. Exactly. But most of our kitchens don't have carpet. If only they did. <laughs> Do you remember in the 70s when they made uh, toilet seats that were cushy, but also the covers of the toilet seats sometimes yes. had the carpeting on them? Oh, my God. That was terrible. <laughs> right? I remember that. And they were all weird colors, yeah. like pink or but blue I, and, But or it yellow, often would yes. match. Like, they'd sell the toilet seat cover with the rug that yes. put in the bathroom. And I always thought the idea was if there was an aerial <laughs> out of the bathroom would all just seem <laughs> consistent. But we know now, if you do drop your bologna in the bathroom, which probably has a lot of bacteria, tile, don't eat it. If you drop it on the carpeted toilet cover. Probably better. still don't eat it, but better. Yeah. But better. Yeah. Um, because there's there's a lot of work that looks at, you know, how quickly is bacteria transferred from surface to surface. And the answer is pretty quickly. And bacteria mm-hmm. survives. The, the bacteria we want to avoid, like E. coli, survives for a really long time. And so dropping things on the floor and eating stuff off the floor, dirty food, that's real. That's, that is that's real. really bad for you. It is really bad yeah. for you. And that's it's almost the same thing as eating an unwashed piece of fruit or vegetable. Well, why do we wash fruit? Is it so that it doesn't have alar and the chemicals? or And bacteria. Uh-huh. So a lot of food ends up being contaminated at some point in the process with E. coli or with something else. And we, you know, we wash it off when we wash it. Mm. And it's you, good. That's good. That's that not is bullshit. Good. Well, that's not bullshit because you never know who's touched it, who's handled it, right. what the conditions have been. You're basically could eating. Could be this guy, Paul, what's his name, from Clemson. Exactly. Right exactly. after coding could be the Dawson. floor. Dawson after Dawson. Pete Dawson. Could have, yeah, exactly. Now, isn't there this trend of people embracing, literally embracing bacteria? There is, Mike. And I think it's a little bit misguided. When you're a child you're developing your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so then... By, say, licking the floor of by back say base licking, station. Yes, by licking the floor of back base station. And then it's good to be exposed to all sorts of things because that will help your immune system develop well. Once you're an adult, you develop immunity to certain diseases, but your immune system is basically formed. And you keep it keeps evolving, obviously. But it's not like you're suddenly developing immunity to E. coli. You're never going to be immune to E. coli. And it's actually a little bit stupid to never wash your fruits or vegetables because when that E. coli comes along, yeah. and it probably will at some point, or when that salmonella comes along or whatever it is, cross-contamination is very real and happens all the time in kitchens. Mm-hmm. We wash our kitchens much worse than we think. Yeah. That we do. And so they're dirty. There Will are lots washing of... a head of lettuce take off the E. coli? No. So you need to wash it well. Yeah. And yes, then it will. But not, you know, you really need to 
you really need to wash thoroughly. And you need to remember that if you're not washing something and you use the same cutting board that you used for chicken last night and you didn't wash the cutting board particularly well, and you're not actually cooking the lettuce, yeah. unlike the chicken, yeah. things that didn't hurt you in the chicken might suddenly hurt you in the lettuce. You know, people who think this will give you immunity don't understand that there are things that are really harmful even to adults. You don't suddenly develop immunity to them. They just hurt you. I'm beginning to think the five-second rule developed because a lot of the adherents of the five-second rule have about that attention span, have about that level of intellect. Anything more than five seconds, they're like, wait, did I cut my chicken on this board? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that said, I know a certain uh, popular, well, semi-popular podcast host who has not been washing his organic carrots because, quote, they're organic. Well, that's that's, stupid, that's actually right? a misconception because yeah. organic vegetables also use pesticides. They're just approved organic pesticides, but some of them are really nasty. But also someone could have handled it. And someone could have and handled, someone it. Could have handled it. Right. Yeah. Who's picking it? Jim and in produce. Are, exactly. Exactly. That and guy. And how are they handling it? How are yeah. they choosing which ones? And yeah. maybe Jim in produce right. has... Jim's last name is Manella, and he's got a brother, Sal, just mm-hmm. to tell you. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Jim's sick. Maybe he has, and this is terrible, but it could happen. Hepatitis. Hepatitis that, gym, they call that it. That happens all the time. Right. You don't wash it, you'll probably be fine. Yeah. But that's not a risk I'm willing to take with my health because I know that there are cases where I won't be, and those can have lifelong repercussions, even right. if they're not fatal, which they sometimes are. Right. They can have health side effects that last for your whole life. And honestly, it takes just a, it takes fewer than five seconds to wash something. That should be the five-second rule. <laughs> but is it a risk you're willing to take with my health is the question. I'm going to have to come back to you on that, Mike. All right. All right. The five-second rule. Is that bullshit? Unfortunately, Mike, as much as I'd like to believe it isn't, that is bullshit. I'm so glad the answer is yes. If not, I'd have to challenge everything I believed. <laughs> I would just go around licking the insides of mustard caps. Willy-nilly. <laughs> Maria Konnikova is the author of Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes, and she is our expert on that which is and isn't bullshit. Thank you for your five seconds plus, Maria. Thank you so much, Mike. There is a town. It's in the desert. And in this town, you could gamble on just about anything. But don't gamble on your summer vacation. I just made that up. But this is what Vegas.com wants to tell you. They they stand by that. With Vegas.com, your summer vacation is just a click away. You can go to the desert and hang out by the pool. There are pool parties almost every day. Listeners have saved real money at Vegas.com with this exclusive offer that I'm going to tell you about. Like, here are some savings. $84 off at the Bellagio. So you can double down when you get an 11 against the dealer's soft six if you were betting $42. Huh? How about that? $100 off at Cirque du Soleil. Can't split eights, but you can see some amazing splits, mid-air splits. Here's my offer. It's 10% off everything, excluding air hotel packages. Vegas.com's proprietary drop watch tool promises the lowest rates on hotels. Vegas.com has an app that answers the question, what now? Like, where are their drink specials? Where are their all-night parties? Where are their show deals? Where is the third showgirl on the left? Where is her plumage molting? Just a lot of Vegas questions answered at Vegas.com. Go to Vegas.com right now. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and enter my code GIST to receive an extra 10% off everything but air hotel packages. That's Vegas.com. Click on the microphone and get your bonus savings by using my secret code GIST. Not a secret. I'm telling you. Book today. And now the spiel. 
I am Generation X, Gen X, which means I'm independent, resilient, and adaptable. Here are some other traits that describe my cohort. Energetic, self-reliant, idealistic, optimistic, and innovative. Actually, I lied about those last five words. Those aren't taken from a description of Generation X. That was from the description of personality traits of the horoscope sign Aries on the Witchcraft and Wizardry wiki. Again, Gen X, according to demographers, pragmatic, self-reliant, and accepting. And this is a list of animal totems and their meanings as sourced from Legends of America website. The heron is aggressive, self-determined, self-reliant, multitasking, and balanced. The heron is apparently Gen X. So I tend to reject the idea that generations are much more distinct than horoscope signs. Rebecca Onion, slate writer, tackled this wonderfully in an Aeon, that's the name of the website, essay titled Against Generations. She wrote, Overly schematized and ridiculously reductive, generation theory is a simplistic way of thinking about the relationship between individuals, society, and history. It encourages us to focus on vague generational personalities rather than looking at the confusing diversity of social life. Another example, let's take baby boomers, right? What do you think when you hear that? Hippies or maybe yuppies, you know, like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, that guy turned 21 during the summer of love. Guess who else turned 21 during the summer of love? George W. Bush. I'd say they are vastly different guys. And this brings me to millennials, the largest generation. They are described as connected, diverse collaborators, shaped by 9-11, texting, and the recession. That's from the Millennial Generation Research Review of the Chamber of Commerce. But come on, someone born at the early end of this generation the millennials, like around 1980, that person's in their mid-30s almost. Statistically speaking, they're very likely to be a parent. That person is a lot different from a high school kid, someone born at the tail end of that generation. Yes, they both grew up with the internet, but a 30-something was a teenager when 9-11 happened. And today's teenagers, when you do the math, well, here's Oceanside High School teacher Kathleen Holden. It's actually surprising to me. September 11th feels like such a short time ago, and my freshmen were babies when it happened. It's, it's sort of remarkable to me. And this brings us to why I've been talking about someone else's generation, the millennials. A couple months ago, I went back to my old high school, gave a talk, met a couple of my old teachers. Mr. Morris told me, Mike, the kids have changed. Mr. Woods said, eh, kids are kids. Mr. Mars and Mr. Woods, Andy and Rich, I guess they want me to call them. But after I gave a talk to Mrs. Holden's journalism class, I asked them to talk to me, not as a voice of their entire generation, but as a collection of 16 and 17-year-olds who grew up in a specific place in Oceanside, New York, in Nassau County on Long Island, and in a time that a lot of Americans might have trouble relating to. Because we don't think about it, and I found that these kids didn't much consciously think about it, But realize this, these students have grown up their entire lives as cognizant humans. They've grown up in a country that was continually in a state of war. They were born in 1998. They can't remember much before 9-11. What they can remember, if they choose to think about it, is that they were always at war. Their country was. That's a fact that they were kind of surprised to even realize. No, I don't believe that. I feel like we're at war at all because our country is protected like, we're, we're, like, secure from war. Gilly Gilbert Lee Ruiz III 
17 years old, spoke for a lot of the class when he said he doesn't dwell on this state of war, not just because you become habituated to it, but in this case, because it just doesn't seem that present. Now, to some, like students Allison Hughes, things are a little different. Well, my cousins in the Marines, and like, I know that we don't see half the things that they do. So I think it's kind of hard that we're like blind to that. I think, I think it also is a good thing that we don't have to see that. But at the same time, it's not because we don't get to see what they go through. So two of the 16 students in that class have family members in the service. It's, of course, an all-volunteer service, so you can't compare this generation who grew up knowing only war with the Vietnam-era kids or the so-called greatest generation. But because this is Long Island's Nassau County, a bedroom community, a lot of the students I talked to were like Rachel Milberg or here, Tara Mayer, who had parents who worked downtown in New York City on 9-11-01. Well, when it happened, I was probably too young to understand it, but he told me about two, three years ago, like, what happened and what he saw and just everything that that he went through that day. And 9-11 is resonant with these kids. Here's Dominique Domicelli. Do you think of September 11th as history or current events or something different? Current events because it led to the war that we're in right now. But as the teacher, Mrs. Holden says, soon students will need to be taught 9-11 as history. They literally won't have lived through 9-11, which is why a few of the students said the school district should do more to remember that day. So I think for the first time, we're really seeing kids who don't have their own memories of that day. And I think maybe that's why it's still undertaught. For some of us who lived through it, it still feels unforgettable. And it's like we almost don't realize how little they've, they might understand some of it. So the day did touch their lives, and it led to war, sorry, wars, that haven't ever ended yet it seems to barely have an impact on them. Oh, I would submit that the wars do have an enormous impact. They were really expensive, which has shaped the economic climate throughout these kids' lives. But the state of modern warfare is designed to be frictionless, except to the warriors. There's no draft, relatively low casualties, lots of other stories in the news or on social media. You have lots of other places to dwell. Unlike past times of war, we could choose not to pay attention. In fact, notes student Gilly Ruiz, unless you make an effort, you won't pay lots of attention. Like people who are in the military, like usually it is a choice that they make, you know, that's a, that's a lifestyle that they choose to put themselves in. So I guess like, yeah, maybe it, it is a good thing that we aren't aware, but like some people don't even want to be aware, you know, some people, it's a choice for them that they, they don't want to be included in what's going on. Maybe they have different beliefs to different, you know, ways of their lives. To me, Gilly is talking about media. Millennials grew up awash in information. So the reality of living in a country at war is that it doesn't seem like we're living in a country at war. Vietnam was in everyone's living room. Iraq and Afghanistan compete for bandwidth with thousands of other sources of media, and most of that other media is a lot more entertaining. As much as I doubt the generalizations about generations, I think it's undeniable that if you were a teen in the 60s or 70s, Vietnam meant a lot to you. The Vietnam War was an event. But the phenomenon that has a great effect on today's millennials isn't an event, it's the internet, meaning it's every event. I think young millennials, well, so as not to be so sweeping, at least these young millennials in this class that I talked to on that day, they aren't so much having to grapple with something that's happening out in the world. It's more like they're playing defense against everything that's happening in the world. It's a weird place to be, or as they might call it, totally normal. 
And that's it for today's show. Producer Andrea Salenzi is millennial to the core, meaning she's independent, skeptical, has intermediate echolocation skills, and prefers ham and cheddar cracker stackers as her favorite Lunchable. Joel Meyer is Gen X trending towards the echo boom, meaning he's self-actualizing, embracing of diversity, at times distant, especially when he's not in the same state as you, but at other times present, like now, and now, and now. Executive producer Andy Bowers is a baby boomer. He is adaptive, goal-oriented, afraid of owls, and prone to mistaking Omaha for the capital of Nebraska. The gist, we are part of the podcast generation, meaning we're available, fast-forwardable, niche, full of information should you wish to shy away from postage meters, and given to both frippery and drink. Combine them. We're given to fraps. Delicious. Thanks for listening.